Before we begin, I should warn you that some of you may find what you are about to hear rather disturbing. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Until Dawn podcast. As always, my name is Koi, and with me is my wife, Felicia. Hello, everyone. So we are finally recording another episode. We were supposed to do it, like, what, two weeks ago? About... Uh, whenever you were... I went on my road trip without you. Yes. Which I was so excited about because I would get to see so many things I've never seen before. And one was a hurricane. Right. I don't think that was planned, though. That was not planned. I actually didn't even know that it was supposed to be. I don't watch TV, so I don't pay attention to the weather or anything. But I didn't even know it was supposed to be, like, bad weather down there until, like, the night before I showed up at the beach. And by that time, I was, like, three hours away, so... No turning back. Right. And actually, we were going to kind of take advantage of the situation because we were going to record an ep- this episode over Skype to test out how it works and everything and in hopes of uh, getting some additional guests on later. But the hurricane had other plans. Right. I had no electricity. Right. For days <laughs> and days and days. But it was still fun. It was a new adventure. Also, let's see, what else did I see? On the way down, because you hate, like, tourist traps. I love tourist traps. So when you're not with me, that's what I do. Yes. So on the way down, I stopped at, what? what's that called? Ravenden, where they have the giant raven. I got a picture there. And then I missed a turn on the interstate, so I accidentally ended up at Elvis's childhood home, which was so exciting, because I love Elvis. That was in... Tupelo, Mississippi. And then, so I made it the rest of the way, the beach, the hurricane, excitement. On the way back, I found this mansion slash plantation that is in West Point, Mississippi. It's called Waverly Manor. I think it's Waverly Mansion. Waverly Mansion. I was trying to make it sound cooler. But it was awesome. The guy gave us a tour and I got lots of pictures. Also, I was driving down, randomly look over, and there's like a Native American burial ground along this highway so i stopped there i didn't go close because i was like i don't know i'm weird about that but i did get some pictures and then they said that there was like another area on the opposite side of the road it's like divided highway so really i'm thinking they found this whenever they were putting the highway in so i feel like that's really jinxed right there now right who's they the state of mississippi there was like a worker there no, but oh, they had to sign? build the road. Oh, no, there was a sign that said, oh. like, it said Indian burial ground something. I see. Burial mound. I'll have to look. I'll put the pictures up on Facebook. Okay. So that was really exciting, but then kind of scary because, I don't know, you don't mess with that stuff. But I'm home now. I have electricity. I'm happy. <laughs> a hot shower. Hot shower. Back to work. All right, so while you were off doing all that, I actually did something more exciting and met one of our listeners. Matt, if you're listening, it was great talking to you. Um, Glad you're enjoying the show. I actually, when you told me about that, I thought you were lying. I didn't think anyone listened to the show. So, But I actually, I spoke with him on the phone. So that, that was exciting. Yes. And then on Facebook, we had Elizabeth. She mentioned us. And that was exciting for me, too, because she, like, mentioned us along with some other really good podcasts and then our podcast. So I was like, (laughs) heck yeah. 
So what else do we got going on? Um, October 17th. It's actually a local event. It's the Oktoberfest here in Waynesville, Missouri. We are going to have a booth down there. So hopefully people will come by and see us and talk with us. Right. And uh, if you do swing by and you, you know, have the urge to kind of tell us any of your, any stories that you've had happen, uh, I get enough of them. I think we're going to do maybe a, an episode and really kind of put all those stories on, on that episode. Maybe tell some of our own personal stories as well. I'm super excited to do a local event because we never have. So I want to meet some people. I mean, I know a lot just from doing here. And it's a small community, but I'm excited to meet more people. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. And it kind of brings me now, I guess, to this episode, which almost is the episode that never got recorded. Right. So if you follow us on Facebook, you would have seen a picture of us getting set, set up and actually getting ready to record this episode. So we get set up, we get ready to record. Everything seems to be going well. And then it was just one technical difficulty after another, and the episode just did not turn out. So this is actually now the second time recording this episode. So maybe haunted hotels aren't possibly the best locations for recording right. episodes, <laughs> which I guess kind of gives away the topic of this one, which is the Cecil Hotel. So let's uh, take a quick break and dive into our main topic, the Cecil Hotel. sudden draft from a window that was supposed to have been closed. A chill at the back of the neck. Groans, creaks, and bumps in the night. Man has always been frightened by the dark. Troubled by noises just beyond the reach of lights. Occurrences just beyond the reach of understanding. <laughs> Okay, so as I said earlier tonight, we're going to be talking about the CISO Hotel, which if you search up the CISO Hotel, you'll still find it, but currently it's not called that anymore. It's now called Stay on the Main, which it was rebranded in 2013. But going back to when it was first built in 1924 by William Banks Hanner, and it originally cost $1 million and had 700 guest rooms which for that time was extremely substantial. Right, that would be like 14 million today. Now this hotel, it was built to cater to like the international traveling businessman, the rich elite upper class. It was 14 stories tall, 700 rooms. While the outside of the hotel, it looks pretty basic, just your basic brick building. The interior is what was like so gorgeous. It has an art de deco style with a marble lobby, ornate staircases, and like beautiful stained glass windows. Sometimes I feel like stained glass windows make the place more likely to be haunted because that's a lot of work and soul put into that, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you kind of always see that's like goes hand in hand. Yeah. Scary buildings and stained glass windows. Also creepy chandeliers. Yes. That Waverly place I went, Waverly Mansion. They had amazing chandeliers, but they were so creepy. Anyway, back to the Cecil. While the first couple of years they were pretty successful and brought in the right crowd and everything, it was kind of bad timing to get finished because the Great Depression was about to change all of that. 
Not only did the Great Depression affect the business and revenue of the hotel, it took a toll on the area that the Cecil was located. Eventually, the Main Street area became known as like Skid Row. This brought in a more seedy crowd like prostitutes, criminals, drugs, transients, which I laugh at because, I mean, not at transients, but like I always think about when you were in the military and we were moving, we were considered transients. So anyway, that, that crowd kind of replaced the elite crowd that it was initially built for. Beyond the Great Depression having a major effect on businesses and the area, perhaps it fueled the huge amount of suicides that have taken place there. So many that it has also been referred to as like Suicide Hotel instead of the Cecil. One thing is for sure though, it went from a hot spot for the wealthy to a hotbed of misfortune, suicide, crime, and violence. But before we get into the murders and suicides, let's get into some of the notable guests that have taken up residency there. All right, so one of the first would be in 1947, and that would be Elizabeth Short. She was also known as the Black Dahlia and was supposed to have been seen drinking at the Cecil's bar a few days before her death, which is still unsolved to this date. Wow, that, I like, I love that idea because that's like one of my favorite true crime stories. It's uh, actually been highly disputed now whether or not she was actually there, but it makes a good story. <laughs> so from 1984 to 1985, the Cecil was home to Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker. I feel like most people know who he is, but just a little overview. Over a period of 14 months, he killed 13 people and attempted to murder five more and assaulted many, many more. He had a room on the top floor of the Cecil he paid $14 per night for. It's a good rate. It's a good rate. It is said that he would dispose of his bloody clothes in the dumpster. He would then walk into the hotel, sometimes partially clothed, dirty, bloody, because like it was very odd behavior. But it pretty much went unnoticed because of just the crowd that hung around there at that time, which is insane. Like, can you imagine just like you're there, some half bloody guy walks in, and you're just like, eh. Well, at that point, I mean, it was early 80s. That area was already considered Skid Row, so they're probably just happy that somebody was paying fourteen dollars. <laughs> right, that's true. So I mean, it's probably just normal day. Right, that's scary. I believe that it was home to one more serial killer. Yes. So this one comes from much further than uh, Richard Ramirez, and that is Austrian Jack Unterweger. I don't know if I'm saying that last name right, but he stayed at the Cecil in '91 and. Possibly he did it, supposedly, this is not confirmed, but it was to copy Ramirez's crimes while he was there. He strangled at least three prostitutes for which he was convicted of in Austria. Not Australia, I almost said Australia. Austria. And uh, he actually ended up hanging himself shortly after the conviction. Yeah, the crazy thing about him is that he was like staying there in that hotel, but he came over as a writer for Austria magazine. He was writing on um, crime and prostitution in L.A. So he would often use his job to like score a ride with like the LAPD. And then they think that he used these ride-alongs to scout out areas to pick up prostitutes that he would later strangle and then kill with their own undergarment. What's funny, I mean it's not funny, but what's funny is that he actually, before he even came over, he had already murdered, I think, one person in Austria. And they said that he was cured... And then he got a job, and then they sent him to the U.S. As you do. Right. And then, um, 
So when he would murder them, he'd use a certain way that he would tie the undergarment. But when he when he killed himself, he actually did it the same way. Kind of like his trademark. Right, I guess that kind of confirms. Right, exactly. So beyond those people, like strange things that happened there was in 1976, a guy named Jeffrey Thomas Paley. He purchased a rifle, he went to the rooftop, and he fired like 15 rounds into the street. Like, he didn't shoot anyone, thank God. But um, when they arrested him, he said he wasn't trying to kill anyone, he just wanted to prove that anyone, even those with a mental illness, could go and purchase a gun. Yeah, I, I read about that. That was crazy. <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> Um, in 1988, there was a guy named Robert Sullivan staying there and he actually got arrested because back at his house, they found the body of the woman that he shared his house with and he had murdered her and that went to the Cecil. That's enough about murders that happened outside of the Cecil. Let's talk about deaths and suicides that occurred at the location. All right. So the first death I have is on November 19th, 1931. A Manhattan Beach resident, W.K. Norton, was found dead in his room after ingesting poison capsules. A week prior, it is said that he had checked into the Cecil Hotel under the name James Willie from Chicago. And this, as far as I can tell, is the first death at the Cecil. 1932, 25-year-old Benjamin Dodick died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. And then in... July of 1934, former medical, former Army Medical Corps Sergeant Louis D. Borden, who was 53, was found dead in his room at the Cecil with his throat slashed from a razor. Borden left several notes, and it is said that he was in poor health and committed suicide. So sad. 1937, Grace Margot. I tried to find her age. I couldn't find it. But she, uh, she either jumped or fell from a ninth story window. But her body got caught in the telephone wires and it like became tangled up. So it made recovering her body difficult. And like I said, it's been debated whether or not she actually jumped or somebody pushed her out. Isn't wow. that crazy? That's terrifying. That is, exactly. In January of 1938, a United States Marine Corps fireman, Roy Thompson who was 35, jumped from the Cecil's top floor and was actually found on the skylight of the neighboring building. He had been staying at the, Ce- the Cecil for several weeks. The 1939 Naval Officer Erwin Neblet, 39, he took his own life by ingesting poison. In January of 1940, a teacher, Dorothy Seeger, I may not announce that one right. 45 um, also ingested poison while staying at the Cecil. And they're, they said they didn't have any, Los Angeles Times said they didn't have any uh, reports really about her condition. So she may not have actually died. She was supposedly near death. It's a lot of people poisoning themselves. Right. In 1944, Dorothy Jean Purcell, 19 years old, she woke up to like severe stomach cramps. Not wanting to disturb her sleeping boyfriend, she went into the restroom. Unaware that she was even pregnant, she gave birth to a baby boy. She then threw the baby out the window and onto the rooftop of a neighboring building. When arrested, she claimed that she thought the baby was stillborn. She was arrested and charged with murder, but at trial she was found guilty 
or sorry, not guilty by reason of insanity. I saw a picture of her at her trial, and yes, she did look insane. <laughs> I'll have to look for that. In uh, November of 1947, Robert Smith jumped from the seventh floor window. In October of 1954, Helen Gurney also jumped from the seventh floor window and uh, landed on the Cecil's actual sign in front of it. Right. I would hate to be walking into the hotel at that point. On February 11th, Julia Francis Moore jumped from the eighth floor room and landed on a second story light. She did not leave a suicide note and actually had a bus ticket from St. Louis. Okay, this is the one that creeps me out the most with the person jumping to their death. In 1962, Pauline Otten, 27, she had an argument with her husband. After her husband left the room, she jumped from the ninth floor window. But when she fell, she actually landed on a pedestrian named George Giannani, killing them both. So at first, they thought that maybe her and George had both jumped from it. But like investigating it, they realized his hands were in his pockets and that wouldn't be a thing. So right. that's when they realized that he was actually just there at the wrong time, basically. And she landed on him. It always seems like a bad time to be leaving or going to this hotel. <laughs> right. So on June 4th, 1964, a hotel worker discovered Pigeon Goldie Osgood, who was a retired telephone operator. She was found dead in her room. She had been raped, stabbed, and beaten, and her room had been ransacked. Uh, she had she'd earned the nickname, of course, around the neighborhood because she was always feeding birds in the nearby square. When I was reading up on this, I seen that a few hours after they found her, they actually arrested a guy in Pershing Square, which is where she always was. He was like wandering through all bloody, blood all over his clothes. So they arrested him for the murder, but he was cleared of the crime later. Right, which kind of reminds me of the whole Richard Ramirez right, thing where he was just walking, walking around, around bloody. bloody, walking into the hotel. So on December 20th, 1975, a woman that had not been identified actually jumped from her 12th floor window and landed on the second floor roof of the Cecil. At the hotel that she was at, she was staying under the name of Allison Lowell. So she didn't jump from the Cecil. She jumped from a neighboring building onto the Cecil. Right. She was on the 12th floor of her building and jumped and landed on the second floor of the Cecil. So this one brings us a little bit more current. On September 1st of 1992, a man was found in the alley behind the Cecil. It was determined that he had jumped or been pushed from the hotel's 15th floor. And although his identity was not determined, they were able to decide that he was 20 to 32 years old. So now this is the death that's like probably the most famous, I guess. I don't know if you had heard of it before, but you don't really follow true crime like I do. No. But this is what brought like the CISO Hotel to my attention. And this was the um, 2013 death of Elisa Lamb. She was a 21-year-old Canadian college student from Vancouver. She was actually doing a solo trip. She was kind of taking a break from school and doing a solo trip traveling the West Coast. Um, she, she checked into the Cecil about five days before 
And she was actually, originally she stayed in a room where it was like a double room, like where you stay with someone. But that person complained because they said she kind of acted bizarre. So she ended up getting moved to a room by herself. Now, while she was traveling, her family had been very nervous about her doing this. So they would talk to her daily. And so once they didn't hear from her for a couple days, that's when they became concerned. So the last day that they heard from her was actually the day she was supposed to be checking out of the Cecil Hotel, which would have been January 31st. Her parents end up contacting the LAPD. They visit the Cecil Hotel. They search it. They ask questions. And then one of the strangest things that comes from this investigation is surveillance footage from the Cecil of Elisa Lam, both in the hallway and getting into this elevator. So watching the video, like her behavior is so strange. Like she's like seen in the hotel hallway then she like steps into the elevator. She's pressing all these buttons on the elevator, like to multiple floors. And then like she kind of ducks down. It looks like she's yelling or talking to somebody off the camera. Right. And she like waves her arms around and like ducks back down like she's hiding from someone. And then what's really weird is the elevator just... The doors don't close. I don't know. Like, they're open for a really long time. You know, even if you get in an elevator, you push the buttons. Like, I don't know. That's what's really weird to me. This elevator doors just stay open. Maybe it's because it's an old elevator. I don't know. I've never noticed that. And we've stayed in a lot of really old places. Right. But, so, the like I said, the doors don't close. So, eventually, she, like, gets off. She exits. And then you don't see her again. Have you seen the video? Yeah, I watched it. It was uh, it was pretty interesting to see. She was definitely like super erratic, and and it appeared like there was somebody after her. Like I kept waiting when I was reading up on it to hear something about someone being after her, or she believed somebody was was after her. Yeah, and like at no point can you see anyone else on this video. But we will, I will post the video on our Facebook page so people. I'm I feel like everybody has seen it at this point, but just in case somebody hasn't can check it out and this is not like a short video like it is four almost four minutes long yeah it's a very long time like it seems short but that is not at all so like two weeks go by right there's like no break in this case they have not found her they've asked around there was like a person in a bookstore that worked there like down the street they said that they had seen her that day and she was buying some things like early in the day and was talking about getting these gifts for her family back in Vancouver. So it didn't seem like she was, you know, contemplating suicide or anything like that if she's buying these gifts. Right. So on February 19th, people were complaining about low water pressure and that the water tasted funny. And it was then later discovered that the naked body of her was found inside the water tank on top of the roof. And the police actually listed her cause of death as an accidental drowning. Makes you always want to drink from bottled water. I'm so grossed out. It's it's like, because right now we're under a boil order for our water. So it's just in my head. There's just so many like weird questions with this. Like, Right. And she would not have been found if it wasn't for the people complaining about the funny tasting water and the low water pressure, which we have both of right now then uh, she wouldn't have been found because it was just because the worker went up there to check on the water tank. Right. Like, 
how did she get in there? Why was she naked? There's just, it's weird. Yeah, it's, so, first of all, how did she get up there? The doors, there's like, the doors are locked. Only people with like key cards could get through. Um, even if they would have opened the door, some of them, there would have been alarms that went off. Her clothes were found like fold, folded outside of the water tank. And then the big question, if she got into the water tank, if it was just her, and she got in there, then how did she close it on top of her? Because it wouldn't have been possible. <laughs> That's interesting. Right? That's why I like true crime. Now, they say that she did suffer from bipolar disorder, and that could have been something that led to this happening. But I don't know. To me, there's just so many weird questions that just aren't answered. I think one of the weirdest kind of myths or theories with this is, and I actually don't know a whole lot about this, but it's the supposed elevator game. And like you hit it, I guess you hit all the, all the buttons and everything. And it is supposed to like connect you to an alternate dimension. What? I've never heard of this. Right. I just saw like a, a brief little thing on it related to this. I did not want to dive now into that rabbit hole. I'm going to go down into that rabbit hole tonight. I can't believe I've never heard of that. I'd never heard about it until I actually looked up this story. Okay. So that's kind of a brief synopsis. I didn't, you know, we didn't want to go into a ton of detail, and but I also wanted to make sure that we kind of covered. Now there may have been more. I'm sure there was. There's probably tons of unreported crimes, especially earlier on. And but it definitely kind of goes to show just why the the Cecil has the history that it does and I actually looked it up. I was like, I wonder how much it would cost for us to stay there for a night. Sixty-seven dollars. What happened to those good old fourteen dollar yeah. rates? I was like, okay, that's way too cheap. I will not stay there. I know that makes me sound like a diva. But actually I was expecting it to be more. I don't know. I don't know California. I don't know prices over there, but I think huge, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean. And then I was like, okay, if we go to Disneyland, how far is the Cecil from Disneyland? See, I was planning this whole haunted trip for us. Right, I'd, Disneyland, yes, but I'm not going to stay at the Cecil. No. I mean, it's. I'm surprised you. We don't hear more reports of activity and stuff. I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's like you said. That's kind of like an average. I mean, there. This is covering all the way from 19. Right. You know, it was built in 1924. And though I think the last one I have is 2013, and there may I'm sure there's probably been more since then. I'm sure under the new ownership, they're probably trying to get away from that negative image. You know, try to rebrand it, make it like fun, stay on the main. Yeah, there's I don't think you can really kind of get away. I do know that I've seen pictures of it as a current, and it still has some of the original painting on the side of it where it talks about the 700 rooms. Right. And Plus, I feel like you got the certain people that want to stay there. People like me. Because of the history of it, you know? So one of the most, I guess, talked about, not necessarily true, but most well-documented um, cases of hauntings at the Cecil was when a, a boy took a picture in 2014 of a fourth-floor window, and it was said that there was kind of a, an apparition in that window. Whether it's true or not, or, you know, I don't know. In you know, in 2014, taking pictures, it could have been possibly anything, especially when you're on the on the sidewalk and taking a picture four stories right, up. Reflections. 
but it doesn't take away from it. I mean, there's definitely been other reports within the Cecil. Um, people said that they felt like they were being choked when they were attempting to sleep, right? <laughs> kind of probably why it's a 60 something dollar a night. Um, you know, people would be feeling that and then they, you know, turn out that somebody was murdered in their room. You have some awful odds, 700 rooms, and you end up in a room room that someone gets murdered in. Uh, Beyond that, numerous people have made claims of someone like laying on top of them while they're laying in bed. Other people have heard different noises like happening in their room as if somebody was like going through their stuff, but they flip the lights on and nobody's there. Yeah. Uh, Lots of cold spots throughout. And then shadow figures is a big one. When you were talking about, like, sounds like somebody's going through the room. It made me think of, we stayed at that hotel in Sedalia, remember? I don't remember what it was called. No, I, I remember it was, like, very old. Like, very tiny room, like, can't yeah. walk on the side of the bed. It was right there on the square. It was painted white and oh, black. It's me crazy. I can't remember. I feel like it's over the B, maybe. Anyway, I remember I bought that cool Three Days Grace shirt. Mm-hmm. Are they still a band? Oh, yeah. yeah, they got the new singer. I don't want to talk about that. Anyway, the next day my shirt was missing. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's totally not even the same, but yeah, it made me think of that. I remember we called and they were like, oh, sorry, things just come up missing. Right. So, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> anyway, back to the Cecil. Wasn't there a... I feel like there was a show based on the Cecil. Yeah, so the fifth series or fifth season of the American Horror Story was actually based on the Cecil Hotel. Yes, that's what it was. That was the season with Lady Gaga, right? Yeah. Did yeah. you watch it? No, I don't like oh, the sh- I don't like the show. I love that show. I don't think it was good ever since the what was it, the third season? The you hated the, the first season. Yeah. I hated the second season. <laughs> you only liked Coven. Yeah. That's the truth. The rest of them were not any good. But that's my opinion, at least. When I think of the Cecil, I also think of the Aladdin in Kansas City, where we always stay. Yeah, I like that hotel. I love that thing. But when you talked about the person jumping out and hitting the sign, for some reason, I feel like every time we stay at the Aladdin, we're like right above the sign. And it would just be like horrifying for that to happen, like right there by our room. Yeah, I've never even thought about that actually until now, (laughs) until you just said that. I know, I have a weird brain. I can't help it. So what do you think? I think... I didn't find enough claims on the hauntings there to say it's haunted. I do think it's haunted by its history. It's haunted by the negativity associated with it. But to say actual ghost spirits... I, I can't... I didn't find enough to prove that or to convince me of that. I don't know. I mean, I think there's definitely enough history there for it to be haunted. I don't know if it's just because of, of how famous it is. So every, you know, everybody knows about the history. I mean, there's definitely been other locations that we've known much less about that have had the same amount of activity. I just don't feel, I think being a hotel, maybe there just hasn't been enough evidence Right, enough investigations for it to have any documented evidence. But there's definitely been numerous claims. And it's almost like, you know, fill in the, check the box for 
possible paranormal activity. That being said, I would like to go there one day if I ever go to California. Like, that's not really on my bucket list. But, besides Disneyland. But I would like to go there just to see it. No, I'm good. There's <laughs> too why, many. This is why I take road trips without you. There's too many people jumping out of high windows for me to even consider walking up. Within the last few years that we saw. Right. No. There's too many people jumping out of windows. <laughs> Hitting the sign in front of the hotel. Absolutely not. Okay, so we just had to start recording again because for the third time our equipment has messed up. Right. Third time talking about the Cecil, so I'm not, I'm, I'm not talking about it anymore. No. I feel like it's jinxed. Right. Uh, yeah, I have nothing else to say. All right, so instead of talking about the Cecil, why don't you tell everybody where they can find us? So you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Until Dawn Podcast. Yes. You can email us at untildawnpodcast.gmail.com. And you can also send us a text message or leave us a voicemail at 913-703-DAWN. And if you'd like to help out the show, the biggest way you can do that is whatever you listen to us on, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anything else, if there's a way to go in there and rate and review the podcast, that would be a huge help. makes it easier for people to find us. And it doesn't cost you a dime. Just a little bit of time. Do you got anything else? Uh, nope. That's it. All right. Well, until next time, I'm Koi. I'm Felicia. And this is Until Dawn.